when you're building a gooseneck, another thing that we've um, noticed that we don't recommend because it doesn't make it as easy is sometimes people like to build over and you want to make sure you don't do that. You know, you want to make sure you have enough clearance so the driver can back the unit in. Welcome to the Tiny House Lifestyle Podcast, the show where you learn how to plan, build, and live the tiny lifestyle. I'm your host, Ethan Waldman, and this is episode 134 with Taylor Teft. Moving a tiny house is no easy task. As the movement grows, so do the tiny homes, making each move more complicated. Today, I'm speaking with Taylor Teft, a professional tiny house mover. She's here to discuss the ins and outs of moving a tiny home safely, quickly, and affordably. We cover pricing, insurance, how long it takes, and even moving tiny homes that aren't on wheels. I hope you stick around. But before we get to that, I want to let you know that Tiny House Decisions Print Edition is finally here. Yes, you heard that right. If you've been following me for a while, you know that I've been very reluctant to release my signature guide, Tiny House Decisions, in print form. It's long, it's in full color, and it's expensive to print and ship. Well, after years of requests from readers, I finally figured it out and I have everything set up and ready to go. The print edition of Tiny House Decisions is a gorgeous, full-color, 85 by 11 paperback that's fit for your desk or coffee table. It can be added on at checkout when you purchase the digital edition of Tiny House Decisions, which is what I recommend. That way, you get the digital guide, which comes with free updates for life, the Tiny House Decisions workbook, and other extras. I'm offering $10 off when you add the print copy onto your order. Shipping is free within the USA. There are less than 10 copies left in the initial run, so head over to thetinyhouse.net slash THD to get your copy today. Again, that's thetinyhouse.net slash THD. All right, I'm here with Taylor Teft. Taylor is a transportation specialist who enjoys the tiny house movement community by helping deliver the final result. As soon as she stepped foot in the logistics industry, she knew she made the right decision. Moving different commodities all over the country is super interesting, but it wasn't until she stepped into arranging tiny house transportation that she knew her work was going to be amazing. From learning the different style builders, customers, and backgrounds to setting up the actual transport and seeing the tinies get delivered across the states, the best feeling is helping someone get their tiny home home. Taylor Taft, welcome to the show. Hey, great. Thank you so much for having me. You're very welcome. Um, I was hoping we could just start by uh, maybe you could tell us how how you got into this uh, moving tiny houses and, and how long you've been doing it. Yeah, absolutely. So in 2018, um, uh, my father and um, a good close friend of his had um, stated that, you know, they had wanted to get into the logistics business and um, really just start moving, you know, cars and travel trailers and different units all over. And, um, you know, I, uh, I wanted to work and do it, you know, and help them. So, um, when I first started out, you know, I, I did a lot of research and obviously I'm a, you know, an Instagram user, Facebook user, big time. And, uh, I started seeing these tiny houses that, um, people were building. And then I saw, you know, sometimes people moving them. And I was like, wow, that'd be really, you know, super interesting to help people move these and generate deliveries to people, you know, all over the world. 
And after, you know, about, I would say about six months in, I really started getting in touch with tiny house builders, um, you know, liberation top, you know, a top client of ours. Um, I reached out to them, you know, and just told them a little bit about our, you know, our, um, our company. And really it just took off from there. That's awesome. So the company hasn't been around for a super long time, but it sounds like you kind of specifically decided to focus on, on tiny houses, which, which is awesome. We need the tiny house movement needs companies to focus on us and, and provide solutions. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, we could see there was a, a need for it. There was definitely a demand and you have to make sure you have the, uh, the right movers to move your tiny home. You know, that's your, that's what you're going to be living in, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, making sure you have the right trucks and, um, you know, it took practice runs and learning the ins and outs of different homes, but eventually, you know, you, you start to learn it. <laughs> awesome. So maybe you could walk me through, um, what the process is like for getting a tiny house moved. I mean, we could almost pretend that, that I'm your client, you know, I'm here. My tiny house is, is here in, in Burlington, Vermont, and, and I want to get it moved, um, to another state. Yeah, um, absolutely. Um, so it really starts off just like that. Most people either call or email. Um, they find us on, you know, online on Google or they are uh, recommended to us, which we get a lot of those. So um, the first thing I would ask for is, is you know, who built the tiny home and uh, all the dimensions of the tiny home itself. You know, what's the length of the unit? Is it standard legal width? And is it standard legal height to transport it? And I would also ask for the weight. So does it matter if it's self-built versus professionally built? So it really depends. Um, we generally ask for a photo of the unit just because we have experienced, obviously, some tiny houses that are self-built that may need a little bit more attention and, um, you know, than others. But ultimately, we try and, um, you know, stay open-minded and still, you know, generate an a efficient quote for them. Got it. So it's, it's about evaluating the, so what, yeah, actually, what, what do you look at in those photos? What are, what are the things that you're kind of looking at as a transportation specialist to, to decide, you know, what you can do? Yeah, good question. So I asked to send, you know, as many photos as they can so I can generally kind of take a look at, you know, the style trailer that they use. Um, what we notice a lot on self-built trailers is they'll, um, a lot of people will purchase old mobile home trailers, which they don't realize, you know, a lot of times they don't have brakes, um, they don't have lights, and um, mobile home tires are not the same as like standard tiny house trailers that have standard tires on them. That, there's a large difference. Got it. Yeah. Well, if, if there are listeners to this show or have read any of my books or resources, then hopefully they're not buying a, a used mobile home trailer because that, that I agree is, is not usually a great idea to take a plastic and aluminum mobile home and then build a stick framed tiny house on that foundation. I agree. Um, yeah, and a lot of people, um, they don't realize that or, you know, sometimes we do have people who uh, contract with like self-builders and just what I mean by like builders who build in their backyard, which again, that's totally fine. 
But, you know, with that being said, we have to think about how many tires are going to blow when we're pulling a mobile home trailer across the country and um, then getting magnetic lights to attach to the trailer and all kinds of sorts of different things. But ultimately, we'll still move the unit as long as we feel it's safe and, um, you know, still do everything we can. Got it. And so what's what's the timeline generally like? when somebody asks you about moving and I don't know where, where are you based? Um, I'm in New Smyrna Beach, Florida is where, you know, our, our office is. Okay. So your office is in Florida. I'm in Vermont. Um, you know, what would be the, the average lead time that you'd need to, to get a driver up here? So I would say we're very quick just because the difference between us and a lot of um, other companies, we have multiple drivers who are specialized in tiny house transport. So I would say, depending on how quickly um, you need it transported, today is Wednesday. So if you book today, I would say we could have a driver there by um, early next week, like Monday or Tuesday. Nice. Okay, so that's quick. When I've I've done some digging around, I've only ever really needed to move my tiny house locally. So I've I've been able to just, you know, it's Vermont. Everyone has a truck. Um, but, you know, if I was ever going to do a bigger move, like more than more than 30 or 40 miles, I would definitely work with a professional. And I, I remember I can't remember the company that I talked to, but they were kind of like, we're going to have a driver up there like next week. But otherwise, like. They weren't really able to swing it. Honestly, Vermont is very tough and um, <laughs> <laughs> it's a tough area, so. That area in general, like Vermont, New Hampshire, New, you know, New York, it is tough. Um, but we usually were able to coordinate around the tiny houses we have up in that vicinity to make it work. Got it. Got it. Yeah. So when when you have a professional driver, you know, come pick up your tiny house and move it, what are what are the benefits? Like what are you getting for your money? that you're not going to get when you just rent the truck yourself or you, you know, you put out a Craigslist ad and you find some dude with a truck to, to move your tiny house. Yeah, no, absolutely. So uh, when you choose us, you know, one call logistics to move the tiny house, uh, you're getting a company who's obviously, um, you know, our company has been in business for two years, but the drivers have been hauling these for a little bit longer, obviously you're getting a company that's fully licensed, insured, and bonded. And then you're also getting drivers who have years of experience in pulling all different makes, models, tiny houses. And that goes back into the self-built tiny houses that we've hauled. And uh, we've experienced a lot of different scenarios that have, you know, happened with tires and lights and things like that. So you're having, a, you know, someone who's very experienced to move the home that really can handle anything that comes their way. Got it. So. With the insurance, like, you know, say your tiny house has been sitting there for like seven years, same tires, and on the way you're you're towing the house, you know, and a tire blows and like it causes an accident. You know, obviously this is like a nightmare scenario. Right. Would that, you know, would that be something that would essentially be covered by insurance? Insurance companies are very picky about tires that um, create accidents so for example if a tire like you stated um comes off of the tiny home hits another car and damages that car absolutely 
the insurance company would be, is, is going to handle that. That's what they're for. As far as like a tiny house blowing and, you know, maybe it um, flies up against the house and, you know, scratches the unit or something like that. Typically insurance, they're going to be like, hey, this, you know, this shouldn't have happened. These tires shouldn't have been bald. We're going to need to handle it. So then that's when we step into place and be like, hey, you know, what can we do? And try and figure that out with the client. Hopefully that makes sense. Okay. So it sounds like it's kind of on the tiny house owner to ensure that the uh, the vessel is is fit for its voyage. Right. I always, that's, that's a good way to put it. I always tell them, hey, like, you know, let's make sure these tires are good. And then we get to the pickup site and they're, they look pretty old and we're like, hey, you know, these tires aren't good. Most of the time customers are like, well, can you, can you still haul it? And if, you know, a tire blows, we'll handle it. And we say, yes, you know, to make sure that they get it taken care of a lot more time crunches moving and things like that. But I always say, hey, like, let's make sure these tires are good. Good advice. Um, let's talk about like how things are priced out because, you know, we're starting to see, you know, tiny houses are, are getting closer to that 30 foot length average rather than 20 feet, which was more average, like five or six years ago. And, you know, we're seeing more goosenecks. We're seeing tiny houses built wider, you know, you know, a 10 foot width. So what are some of the things that that affect that price quote um, when it comes to the size of the house? Yeah. So good question. Um, Yeah. The rate, you know, that we're going to give you is going to vary off a lot of different things and the length is included. You know, you're not, you're definitely not going to get the same rate as like you said, a 20 foot tiny house compared to a 40. And then you meet us in the middle, which is a lot of tiny houses we're seeing are between 28 and 32 feet. And those are going to be the 20 between 20 and 32 are going to be just about the same rate, obviously. But a lot of the pricing comes down to location. Like I told you, we just discussed here in Little Vermont and there's not many. um, It's just not a a big area. So um, pricing is going to uh, go based off the state of where it's being picked up, you know, the state of where it's going to. And, um, you know. Like you said, sometimes they're 10 feet wide, and that's definitely going to change the rate as far as permitting. And then we charge, obviously, an oversized load cost to transport the tiny home. Got it. So if you're if you're if you are pulling an oversized tiny home, then you your company deals with all the permits and oversized stuff. Yeah, that's what we're there for. We're here to make it go as smoothly as possible. So we're going to pull the permits. Um, we're going to do the route survey to make sure we're safe going under bridges or on certain two-lane roads. We'll do all of that for you. Got it. Does does having a gooseneck tiny house chain, like, does that make it less expensive to move, more expensive to move, or is it not really, is that not really factored in? Honestly, a lot of the guys that, you know, transport that work for us, they prefer a gooseneck. It, you know, the return radius and everything on it, we really, they really enjoy. Um, the standard gooseneck, maybe at 32 feet, everything would stay the same. But when you're getting into that 40 foot gooseneck, the rates are going to increase, like I told you. You know what I mean? Okay. So it's more about the length of the, the length, width, and weight of the home more so than the like bumper pole versus gooseneck. Exactly. Um, if you were, you know, I'm, I'm guessing you've moved 
hundreds of tiny homes at this point. Um, do you have any tips for for people who are maybe designing a tiny house now or are thinking about buying one? Tips for making it as easy to move as possible. <laughs> yeah, I could, uh, I could, you know, kind of go on about, you know, people building them and and putting them into spots where um, trees have to be taken down and you're arriving. Um, yeah, so I highly recommend a location where there's not hanging tree branches and low power lines where multiple people are going to have to get on top of the tiny house and, and lift the power lines up. Um, and then it really is based off your preference. I mean, we've moved tiny houses out to California on top of mountains. And, um, you know, as long as we're aware of where you need it to go, we're usually very accommodating and getting it in there safely as we can. We're noticing that a lot of people are um, buying tiny houses to make them Airbnbs. I'm sure you've seen. Yes. Yeah, I've noticed that too. Yeah. And they need it like back down an alley into their um, backyard. So super, super tight quarters, which that's totally fine with us as long as we can get it in there um, safely. <laughs> we recommend like if you're on like farmland, you know, try and keep it like not necessarily like mud because once you get there and it's wet, um, hooking up and, and getting having to back up to it and get mud all over the house, you know, that's not fun. So yeah, you know, the, the best space possible for the client is always, you know, what we want, but making sure it's beneficial to the transport company would be great. You know, when we get to delivery sites and it takes four hours to get into a spot, it's not ideal, but it's part of the job and uh, <laughs> we always make it happen. What about um, any tip, any thoughts on the actual house itself? Like, features or designs that that make things easier on the driver or removing um you know the standard 20 foot um bumper pool tiny house i would say it's going to be the easiest unit to move as far as uh, like i said the goosenecks are obviously easy to move and maneuver um let me think of uh, of some scenarios as far as when you're building a gooseneck another thing that we've um noticed that we don't recommend because it doesn't make it as easy is sometimes people like to build over that upper deck area on the gooseneck too far. And you want to make sure you don't do that. You know, you want to make sure you have enough clearance so the driver can back the unit in. And you kind of have to visualize it a little bit. Um, uh, the top deck of the gooseneck overhangs, you know what I mean? And making sure it doesn't go underneath of the trailer itself. And then another thing that we see often that, um, you know, would make it easier if people didn't do, which is uh, we're also seeing people are starting to build um, over the trailer on the back end, maybe on the rear end, which um, obviously if you're going up hills, things like that, the back end is sitting super low, which, you know, recommend actually building the way it should be onto the trailer, not off of it. Got it. So like uh, a cantilever off the back of the trailer too right. far, you're going to end up bottoming out. Exactly. And yeah, and a lot of people, um, they don't realize too, it, you know, you build it that low to the ground once the driver gets there and has to hook it up to the hitch. You know, you have to jack up the tiny home a little bit to get it onto the hitch. It, when it jacks up, it's, you know, going at a side plank like this. You don't want that, that back end to hit like you just stayed and bottom out. Right. It's like a seesaw. <laughs> exactly. As one end goes up in the air, the other one gets closer to the ground. <laughs> exactly. Not fun at all. So another thing that um, 
I've certainly talked about a, a good deal on my blog and, and with guests is the idea of building tiny homes not on a trailer, um, but on like a skids type foundation. And that that's kind of a hybrid approach where you're, you know, saving the four or five thousand or actually much more for a 30 foot, you know, six, seven, eight thousand dollars, you know, on a trailer. And then you're building something that is is less easy, easy to move, but still technically movable. Um, have you moved any any houses like that? Only a couple. Um, I actually just moved a um, like a mobile tiny house office for Anchor Tiny Homes out of California. They're a newer builder, but they're very good at what they do. And um, I would say it's it's very efficient. You know, like I said, you can put it anywhere um, and move it. The only thing is, is um, instead of just having a driver you know, arrive with hooking it up to the truck is the, is the loading and the unloading and the trailer that you're going to need to haul it because not a lot of transport companies are going to have, um, rollbacks or landalls that can drag that up because obviously you don't want to drag it. Um, so with that being said, it's definitely doable. It just, it involves some multiple different companies. We recommend, you know, an efficient crane company to lift the unit up and put it on the trailer, which that can be costly because you have to have it on both ends, pickup and delivery, obviously. And then um, depending on the unit itself, like you said, um, you know, if you want to put it on skids, I've heard that people want to build tiny house on skids, which are, uh, you know, kind of like blocks, then that kind of moves towards like a shed. And most sheds are built on skids and they have certain equipment that can load it. Um, I haven't moved any of those yet, but I do know um, for like a, a small, let's say, I think it was a 12 just by 10 standard mobile office that was converted to like a tiny house. It was, it was costly to move with, you know, the cranes and everything being involved. Um, so like so costly that it, you're quickly offsetting the trailer? Like what you would have spent on a trailer? I would say very close, yes. Okay. Yeah, I don't know the exact cost of the crane, but the cost of like transport and permits because of height and everything, yeah, it was it was quite costly, but that'd be something I would look into most definitely. Yeah. So, you know, my listeners are are either living tiny now or, you know, dreaming about a tiny house, planning a tiny house. And I think that it would be helpful to, you know, give them a sense of, you know, actual dollar amounts, like what what it costs to move a tiny house. And I, I wonder if you might be able to, like, give us kind of a range, like maybe per mile for, you know, let's go with a 28 foot, not over height or over width, you know, your standard 28 foot tiny house, you know, what's like our per mile cost for a move? Yeah, no, really good question. So um, I would say if it is going over 500 miles, you know, the rate per mile is going di- to differentiate a little bit. But um, really anything, let's say over 1,000 miles is going to be around the $250 mark. So $250 a mile. And then when you're getting into the lower miles, you know, 500 miles, that price per mile is going to increase just because you're going shorter distance. 
So for example, you might, you know, need a tiny house moved from Florida to Virginia. That's um, usually right around the thousand mile mark. And depending on where we're coming out of a Florida, I would say the average cost, you know, is around the $2,500 mark, depending on the tiny house itself. It definitely could, it could be lower, obviously. I know people, you know, want to save and be as cost effective as possible. So yeah, we try and make everyone's budget work if we can. But 250 miles is going to be the average cost for like a 28 foot, like you say. And if you, you know, if somebody needs like uh, just a, a local move or like a, you know, call it a 50 mile move, do you just charge like a flat, like a day rate or is, or is that also by my, the mile? No, that's a really good question. Yeah. So we charge a minimum transport fee. So depending on the states, um, we notice a, a lot of people in Washington or are going tiny. Like that's being uh, more of a, um, a tiny house community like location out there is what I'm seeing. So when people call in or in Washington and usually Oregon, I give them a, you know, a minimum transport fee. And usually that's going to be about six twenty five. $625 just for that local move. For local transport, exactly. And that's usually anything under 50 miles will charge that. You know, if it's super close distance, we've had people that are like, hey, you know, it's six miles and, um, you know, we're at a budget of like 520 or $500. That's, you know, that's more than capable and we'd definitely be able to help them out, obviously. We just try and keep that that daily rate as far as, you know, the driver getting up there and and making it happen. Got it. Got it. So it sounds like there's a lot of flexibility. Yes. And so you're now moving tiny houses for many companies, including Tumbleweed and New Frontier, Movable Roots, Liberation. I'm kind of reading the list you sent me. Um, are you finding that those are going, you know, long distance, like all across the country, or are they mostly kind of selling and going in the areas that they come from? Yeah, so that's a good question. As far as like liberation, they have a lot of local people that are in the, you know, Lancaster area that we've noticed. And, um, you know, we have done a couple cross country moves for them as well for people who want them out in California. Um, as far as tumbleweed, and um, like movable roots, tumbleweed, uh, we do a lot of clients who have already purchased the tiny homes and then are moving. So we move them all over. Um, and usually it is long distance from what I notice. Okay. So it's kind of like a little bit of everything. Right. So is that is that the majority of your business is moving professionally professionally built tiny houses? It is usually. But I mean, we have I, I get inquiries every day that are just tiny houses that are built by um, everyday people like we talked about earlier. And we do that as well. So that's always fun. Nice. Um, do you have um, like a favorite tiny house that you've moved? Um, goodness, I, uh, I see a lot. And <laughs> I don't know about a favorite just because I've moved so many. I, um, I enjoy the tiny houses built by Liberation and New Frontier. They're kind of, they work together now. I don't know if you know. And just no, I didn't. Yeah, they work together. Um, they kind of group together, and this style and the modern kind of look of the tiny houses I really like. But then I see tiny houses that are built by tumbleweed that I really enjoy. It's really hard to pick up favorite to answer your question, <laughs> right? So, 
Do you uh, do you remember? Do you happen to know what the largest tiny house you've moved is? Well, the largest. I mean, as far as like a, I had a tiny mobile cabin is what it was. That's the largest, and that was like sixty feet long and fifteen feet wide. So it's not even considered a tiny house, but they labeled it a tiny cabin. Was that built onto a trailer? It was. It was crazy. I can. I definitely would share you some photos. Um, when we get off the call. Yeah, please do. 60 by 15. Yeah, it was like 60 by 15. And then I think it was also 16 feet tall. Wow. Yeah, it was pulled by an 18 wheeler. Um, and I'm trying to remember how many axles it had on it. The tires, when you see the side of it, it's crazy. I think it was six to eight axles, you know, wow. on each yeah. side. Um, and the estimated weight, I'd have to go back and look, but it was it was ginormous. That's the biggest, like, tiny you know unit we've moved but as far as like a tiny house it's usually about a 42 footer by 10 yeah um you know but so with a that's actually you you reminded me of something that i wanted to ask about which is you know are tiny houses approaching that cutoff frequently where you have to get a, a 18 wheeler to move it like you know your 42 foot gooseneck uh you know, 10 foot wide, tiny house on wheels. Is that still able to be towed by like a big pickup truck or are you, are we encroaching into like the next, the next level up of vehicle? Yeah. So we have a lot of people who are like, my tiny house is 42 by 12 and uh, 16 feet tall. And I'm like, okay, you know, that's definitely doable, but like how much does it weigh? And, you know, as long as it's really under like the 25,000 pound mark, usually 22, 23, we can definitely pull it with, uh, you know, our, our dualies. But we are noticing, like you stated, there's um, a couple of large places in Texas that build park models. And I'm sure you've heard of park models, you know. Yeah. Um, and those park models, I will say, once they're getting up there in height, you know, 15, 16 feet tall and 13 feet wide, this you know, the stability of a semi compared to the, you know, standard dually, we highly recommend. And that's typically how we kind of go based off the options of what they give us. Right, right. And so are the park models, do those stay on the trailers that they that they come on or are the trailers kind of a temporary solution? So most people will keep the trailer underneath of the tiny home or the park model, I should say. But then um, they have all of the tires removed and they have like a mobile home company come out, jack the unit up and block it. So there's no, um, you know, no pressure really on the, the trailer. And if they do want it moved again, all the tires have to be put back on, skirting removed. It's more of like a mobile home thing, but it is still considered a park model. Yeah, no, that's... Um... You're making me realize that I that I should talk to somebody who's knowledgeable in that park model industry because I think, you know, in terms of how they block them up and, you know, kind of set them in place for for permanent living, it would be I think there are some things that we could learn because that's that's really what a lot of tiny home owners are doing is like, you know, not really moving their homes all that often. So Exactly. Have you um, have you done multiple moves for any, any customers, any like, and, and not, I mean like a company that has multiple houses, but like someone who has moved in their tiny house multiple times. 
Yeah, we actually have. We have a good client that's out of Utah and um, um, Virgin. I believe we've moved it from, I believe we moved it three times from like Arizona to Utah and then I think to Colorado. So short distance move, but, you know, and then we've moved a couple of tiny homes locally a few times. So there's a lot of people who use us every time that need their tiny house transported, which is great. Trying to think if there's anyone else that I you know can remember as far as needing it moved multiple times, but I think um, that goes kind of what you're stating is a lot of people are moving them one time and then kind of keeping them in the same location for quite a long time. Nice. Well, I really appreciate everything that you've shared with us. Is there is there anything that that I haven't asked you that you think would be helpful to know about you know tiny houses and moving? Um, no, I, I really think you covered it all. You asked all the questions that um, needed to be covered and you asked really all the questions that people, you know, should ask or want to know about moving tiny houses with the trailers and everything we discussed. So I really appreciate it. Awesome. Well, I have one last question for you. Um, have you ever considered living tiny yourself? <laughs> yes, great question. I definitely have. And, uh, I think about it quite often and I'm not sure obviously with two large dogs and things like that, but I definitely, uh, I definitely have thought about it multiple times. Awesome. Well, I've got the podcast for you. Uh, Taylor Taft, thanks so much for being a guest on the show. I really appreciate it. All right. Thank you so much. Thank you so much to Taylor Taft from One Call Logistics for being a guest on the show today. You can find the show notes, including links to One Call Logistics at thetinyhouse.net slash 134. Again, that's thetinyhouse.net slash 134. Don't forget to check out Tiny House Decisions, which is now available in a gorgeous full-color print edition at thetinyhouse.net slash THD. Again, that's thetinyhouse.net slash THD. Well, that's all for this week. I'm your host, Ethan Waldman, and I'll be back next week with another episode of the Tiny House Lifestyle Podcast.